0: The Digital Transition. The Digital Transition, a podcast series created to assist those tasked with implementing digital strategies where we will share our knowledge and experiences to support you in your transition. Welcome to The Digital Transition. I'm your host, Nathan Hildebrandt, and today I'm talking with Dr. Carol Hon, a Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow from the Queensland University of Technology, or QUT, uh, about her significant volume of research into trying to make construction sites safer and the benefits that BIM brings in assisting this objective. But before I talk to Carol, I need to talk to you about our exclusive podcast sponsor, NBS. NBS. NBS Chorus is revolutionising construction specification with cloud based collaboration. It enables you to integrate seamlessly with your building model, it allows you to increase productivity and reduce risk. NBS Chorus allows you to specify your project in UniClass 2015, which is recommended by the Queensland Government BIM Data and Information Guidelines, as well as the Victorian Digital Asset Strategy Guidelines and mandated by Transport for New South Wales. To learn more about NBS, head to the website www.thenbs.com.au. So, Carol, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Nathan.
0: Now, firstly, Carol, we've been involved for several years now. I don't know how many years it's been now, but you're a fellow committee member with me at Brisbane. But uh, throughout the last number of years, you've been doing some incredible research into this topic um, and obviously other things as well. But for the listeners out there that have not met you before or not aware of your, your um, professional history, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I'm an academic in the School of Architecture and Built Environment at QUT. Um, I've got a quantity surveying background. I'm interested in improving efficiency and performance outcomes of construction projects. I'm passionate about reducing construction accidents and enhancing safety performance. I previously published a book called um, Safety of Repair, Maintenance, Minor Alteration and Addition Works. And I did research to explore the potentials of using BIM or digital engineering to reduce construction accidents. And recently, I completed a project funded by the Center of place health and safety of the New South Wales government. Um, We developed an innovative training program to reduce electrical risk for young construction workers. And the latest research I'm doing is to use mathematical modeling um, to look at psychosocial risk to improve mental health and safety in the construction industry. Yes, a little bit
0: bummy <laughs> very important topics and and hopefully what we'll do is throughout our discussion today we'll touch on on those projects and and give the listeners a better understanding of essentially what this means and and, and the processes and the things and your findings throughout it because research um, is a, is definitely more important <laughs> when undertaken professionally through a university rather than just you know reading reading content online but you also are a lecturer at QUT. Um, yeah. Can you share with the listeners the courses that you're involved with at QET?
1: Well, I teach into the Bachelor of Urban Development, Construction Management major. I've got students from various backgrounds, they're Construction management students, quantity surveying students, architectural students. Um, with my quantity surveying background, I mainly teach 4D and 5D BIM to develop construction schedule using works and cost plan using Costex. I also teach construction estimating, which is about preparing an estimate from the contractor's perspective for tender submission.
0: So they're very Important BIM processes, ones that we won't touch on today, but they're the kind of they're the kind of focus, I guess, of what what's available at, at the moment within the within the university sectors in terms of training for people before they enter the workforce, and and that's very important for people that have their own companies to understand that Carol's participating in the the process of trying to help educate um, within the realms of BIM because uh, we find that. These days, it's very difficult to actually get BIM in the curriculum for a number of different courses, which we won't start talking politics today with universities and and uh, BIM education. But one of the things that I found really, really intriguing when I looked at your email signature and and saw a, a wonderful link that you have at the bottom there with the link to all of the publications you've been involved with. It was it was a, an amazing um, I don't know what you call it a bibliography <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Um, how many publications and papers have you contributed to on the on this on this specific topic? Now the list was I think sixty odd or seventy odd that I could see that were obviously on various important topics that were BM has utilized. But how many publications or papers have you actually contributed specifically to on construction safety?
1: Well, um, I'm a construction management researcher, so I do various topics on construction management by specializing in health and safety. Well, counting that area, I published 38 journal and conference papers, um, and they range from BIM for reducing accidents on site to uh, real-time location checking or risk perceptions and even safety culture and safety climate. So various areas on safety.
0: Now... That's where I guess the important component lies is that safety isn't just addressed with one specific thing. Safety is a is a broad topic and probably one that we won't do justice to today well enough in the sense that we could probably talk and workshops could be done for days on the different components in which safety can be addressed. And, you know, men, you talked about mental health before – as, as one component and that's something that thankfully is being addressed through a number of organisations around the country at the moment. But this might be a very pointed question and you might not have the answer to it on the spot so it's a, it a, might be a challenging one for you. But through the research that you've done, how much is, is construction accidents? And I, I guess the challenge is how we term terminolo- the, the correct terminology for this discussion today and I... I've got to be mindful that we use the right terminology and you can probably um, change it on me and and then I might learn something new today even better. But how much are construction accidents actually costing industry currently?
1: Well, you're right. It's hard to actually quantify um, what is the cost of construction accidents. Well, um, if we look at a simple way, look at the – median compensation of construction injury or illness per case yep. in general. Then uh, I've got a number back a few years ago when I did my research, it was about $14,000 or Australian dollars per case with disregarding what level of severity of the injury to be. Um, but, you know, quantifying... Um, an accident in terms of median compensation is probably underestimated the true cause. So um, in 2019, I did some research looking at the true cause um, of accidents. So what is the impact and trying to quantify it to different stakeholders if one accident happens. So to the employer, um, to the one who got injured um, and to the whole society, what is the cost then um, it depends on the severity of the injury or accident um, it could be um, from around two thousand dollars per very minor injuries to six million dollars per injury
0: that's, a, yeah, six that's million. a that's a lot of money isn't it and yeah. I guess the challenge that you would have found through that research as well is that it's very hard to quantify say for example uh, mental health issues in terms of what that actually how how does that how does that actually have a dollar figure to it? But the 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 important thing I guess before we kind of delve into the BIM side of things is that the positive thing across our industry right now is that there are there is a substantial amount of effort being done collectively um, through all the different parties in industry to try and reduce accidents, injuries, and deaths on construction sites. And, and I guess the reason for our conversation today is to kind of highlight um, processes, technology, methodologies that, in which BIM can um, assist those things. Now, through your research and understanding, uh, and it would have been, I'm assuming it would have been timeline based as well in some ways where you would have kind of seen how things are going. That's what if we if we look at that as a as a base point of going well you know there's there's more emphasis placed on safety today than there was a long time ago. Through your research, did you find that there is a declining number of accidents occurring on on sites, or is it still is it is it staying the same?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, very static. Um, there's no substantial decline in the number of accidents over the past few years, um, say last year, 2020, there were 26 fatal accidents in the construction industry of Australia, looking back from 2017 to 2019, it was 30, 24 and 24 respectively. So you can see the number actually quite steady, but compare ourselves with the UK and the Austra- um, the, the America we are in the middle.
0: Okay. So UK
1: is the best. So UK is the best. Yeah. And we're in the middle. And surprisingly, America is the worst.
0: Out of out of the three or in terms of um in, in terms of the assessment between those three uh, yeah. companies? Because countries because of the country.
1: In terms of country yeah. in construction industry, the number of fatal accidents um, in Australia, uh, we are in the middle.
0: Okay, and is that based on per capita of of potential people working on site, or is it actual total numbers?
1: Um, both, in terms of, uh, well, I uh, compare per thousand workers. Sorry. yep
0: yes, yes. So yep. it is based on it as, as a ratio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the accident rate. Yeah. So from my mind, and I know yours, and and everyone in industries, twenty six deaths in a single year is an unacceptable level because that's twenty six families that are affected plus the additional families that are have mental anguish because of that. And I think that's why I think this conversation is important. It's, it's showing that despite the greater awareness of safety and the conversations that are actually happening on work sites now, so every time you go onto a work site they have toolbox talks, they have you know, discussions around what's going on, on on that side on the day. So they're, they're covering off on all these safety things and we're not really seeing any change. And that to me is is very much a, a, a sad thing for all of us to, to be part of. And what it demonstrates is that we're all responsible for safety through from a design phase to construction and then operation. So the whole life cycle of an asset has to be considered. Now... You've done that one side where you've identified the costs associated with uh, site accidents. Through your research, have you been able to identify specific BIM uses or current technology that could be implemented to reduce these risks? Because the, the, the key thing with accidents is is that on a job site, each and every single action on a job site has an associated risk level and a probability level. So what we're trying to do is take those high risk components in terms of severity and probability and bring them back down that, that uh, graph into the safe corner. So what, uh, what specific BIM uses or technology through your research have you been able to identify as, as, as those objects to be able to try and make life safer for people?
1: Yeah, right. That's a very good question. Um, Regarding that, um, my research team looked at the coronial reports of 105 fatal cases in the Australian construction industry. We identify why these accidents happen and we group these um, accident causes into immediate shaping and originating influence categories. Because to prevent an accident from happening, you don't just look at the immediate cause. You've got to look at what's actually underlying it, contributing yep. to that accident. So, well, not surprisingly, but um, we we find that actually uh, a large number of these causes were actually from shaping and originating inferences category. And that's exactly where Beam can play a role we map out the functionalities and possible applications of bim against these causes of accidents and we find that bim can contribute to reducing many of these shaping and originating inferences of construction accidents which are traditionally very hard to address and bim helps to perform design for safety for permanent and temporary work design and we also find that um, beam would be very useful for site um, safety management and real-time location system and other technology can integrate together with 4D and um, 3D models to enhance the monitoring and control of site safety. And we also find that there is always a problem how to report safety accidents and how this information can be communicated in a timely way um, to the whole team or um, to the whole company. And we find that uh, BIM can also play a part that um, accidents can be reported and stored in a, say, BIM 360 field model for the project team's evaluation. But there are more applications that BIM can play to improve safety, for example, during the construction process, 4D beam can help to visualize the whole process to better identify potential um, hazards. Instead of just looking at um, a game chart, uh, you can visualize what would happen. And it would be very useful uh, as a tool to conduct the toolbox talk and develop the the SWIMs, the safe work method statements. And uh, we talk about um, risk. We, of course, we identify um, the probability and the severity of potential risk and try to eliminate or reduce it. And um, so potential safety hazards can be extracted from safety guidelines or rules or previous accident records. And with the current technology, they can be converted to algorithms that can present the risk visually or textually and DME's information can be simulated in the BIM platform so that they can be used for um, safety risk assessment.
0: Yeah, so basically there's not really – so obviously workplace health and safety exists in Australia on a state-based process and that information is all captured by them. But what you're saying is is that at the moment – industry really doesn't have the ability to access that information to then kind of use it smartly. Is that what's actually happening at the moment?
1: No, I think um, it's, you know, we are project based industry and sometimes the lessons learned in that project for that project team is not even passed well in the whole organisation uh, well, safety information um, is, well, kind of, yeah, it, we take within the project and it doesn't pass further most of the time.
0: So it's the, the interesting word that you used through that was the, the communication of accidents that are occurring on site. So, for example, uh, a, a swim or a safe work method statement was written for a particular action, so for, for people that actually aren't aware of what that means, and I guess the key thing about that is, is that we talk about that as a, as a function, is that for every task that a person performs on a construction site, they typically need to provide one of those statements to explain how they're going to perform that task in a safe manner, uh, identifying risks that are associated. So for example, if someone was to install a gutter on, even on a, a single-storey uh, project. Any work that occurs over two metres in height on a commercial property or a commercial project actually needs to have scaffolding in place. You can't just climb on a ladder. So a person that's installing that gutter needs to identify the methodology in which they're going to do that. Now, through that research, did you, and I guess I'm clutching at straws in some ways because it could be You know, it could be possible. It might not be possible. When those accident information, when you're doing that research and that accident accident information, you've been able to analyze. Do is is there a really good amount of information involved in that accident report where you then get your hands on um, swims as well? That was what was supposed to happen, or is that something that's excluded from that data altogether?
1: No, is is separate. Yep. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's yeah. Totally suppressed. Um. The colonial um reports are stored in the NCIS, the National Colonial Information System, which um you need um finding fee approval process to get access to. Is not well, freely access to the puppet. You've yeah. got to apply for ethics well. It's a very lengthy process uh, to look at the fatal cases. Well, there's police report, uh, what actually happened and what what was the court, court judgment about that. Um, but for um, SWIMS, well, I can see that um, it's about safety management. It's part of the safety management process and it's legislatively required that you need to do it for your high risk activities. Um, but then, it really comes down to the experience of the safety manager when developing the swims, how detailed it is or how rough you can actually identify the risks. Um, And uh, share with you uh, one uh, recent research in the UK, and I think that's very interesting and I hope we we can have it here as well, Um, is the health safety executive in the UK, which is something like our SafeWork Australia. They're collaborating with the uni and industry partners to develop national safety risk library so that potential risks, well, some typical potential risks can be well-documented and they can be used in a 3D space to help people to identify risks or palm you. These will be potential risks. Yeah,
0: and now one of the things that I thought that was really interesting in your earlier statement was the fact that in our industry everything is so project-based and I think that's a really important part to take away with it because we're not constructing the same building thousands of times over it. There's always something that's going to be different slightly and 99% of the times I'm guessing that these the safe method work statements are... Um, a generic uh, statement that they would put in place for installing a product typically in, on, a, on, a, on a typical site. And I guess that's probably where I guess the challenges lie moving into the future in terms of a possible improvement being that there has to be almost it has to be reviewed and taken into consideration what's the actual realities of that specific site maybe that could be half, half of the answer without introducing the BIM side of things. But um, is that something that from your research findings, is there any recommendations at the back of it? <laughs> we'll um, wrap up, will we wrap ourselves up in bubble wrap <laughs> or something?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, company, they have different swims and um, they have a lot of information, which is idle and not in the, correct form that can be used, but I see um, there is potential to use uh, machine learning uh, to come up with a better way of identifying hazards in, or in a more efficient way uh, to come up with more tailor-made swims.
0: Yeah, so it comes back to an earlier podcast where I discussed with Kate Williams the concept of fair data and at the moment, our safety data really isn't fair at all. It's not accessible uh, and freely available for to actually improve the way in which we work on construction sites. To actually be able to analyze the data, the fact that yes, there's a lot of kind of privacy involved in in lawsuits surrounding the unfortunate um, accidents around people's um, deaths, and that's then that's understandable. But there has to be some level of uh, transparency to key components of that so that industry can then learn from that and then improve. Uh, I think that's really uh, an important thing. And one of the things I think I saw in a piece of software from Fuser, I think they have, an, a, a, they have a 4D kind of process built into their visualization tool with I think it also then highlights or indicates – edges and potential falling points I believe and that's one feature of a specific tool but there's obviously a lot of other opportunities out there. So you touched kind of briefly I guess on the the use of a model to assist in the communication process and the models that most people would be aware of uh, would be the complete model. You know, they they see the model as a whole, they don't see it as, as pieces of the puzzle. Now how important is it, from the construction side of things or how one of the things you talked about was the, the concept of scheduling and and we won't talk about cost and I know that will we'll put your QS hat away today but let's talk about the, the concept of scheduling. Now for the listeners that haven't had any experience with the, uh, the, the process of um, using a model from a scheduling process, can you explain how that works or, or what that may look like because it's not the whole model sitting there on the screen.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I had experience looking at a chart and trying to think about what is the problem here and how to actually improve the process to make it safer. I found it hard myself. But with BIM's visualization function, you can see at a particular time point, there is an opening here, then you need to put fencing around that opening to prevent fall from high accident. And you can absolutely do that in a 4D environment. You simulate how the construction process uh, would be like and then uh, you can easily identify what if a worker is working there? What would happen? What would that person face? Um, and you can generate different what-if scenario um, to actually slightly modify your construction methods uh, to prevent fall from high accidents, uh, struck by object accidents, and um, to arrange the work process in a way that you can deliver the job in a safer manner. And I really find 4D useful in, in that sense. And if we look at, how to prevent an accident from happening. We need to look at actually earlier than construction phase. In the design phase, in the planning phase, you can eliminate and reduce the risk or hazards much more easier than when it comes to the construction phase. So beam visualization function is also very useful for design for safety and in particular um, safety planning. Uh, high-level safety planning to identify, eliminate and reduce risk.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I think that's really important, so we've talked about 4D, which is the fourth dimension, which is time in our in our imaginary uh, time continuum. A designer will typically produce a model which is made up of elements or components that represent the, the final built form and the way in which someone will model that building should represent the elements as they would be constructed. Now, the method of which a contractor or a construction scheduler will change from just using a Gantt chart where in the past a construction scheduler will sit there with the, uh, you know, the hundreds of drawings that have been produced by the consultant teams and then work through and understand the the construction rates and the amount of um, uh, hours, work hours that are required to perform particular tasks based on volumes and quantities And the like, and then plan out how that would occur. And most of the time, they get it right. You know, they'd be that might be out a few days here or there or the like. But trying to do that in a planned form, very very quickly during a tender period, can essentially be fraught with danger because then they're, you know, they're identify they're not being able to identify adequately. Either it could be more complex or less complex to build than they may have interpreted from drawings now the benefits of using the model is that the scheduler can then take the design intent model from the design team and then progressively link up the elements that are in the design models with a construction program and what they need to then also incorporate is temporary work so the key component of this is that design teams will never model temporary works. So the construction scheduler needs to work with potentially um, engineers that may design temporary structures for to enable safe construction to occur. Um, crane lifting, planning, all of those e- e- exciting things that happen during construction don't just happen because oh, someone rocked up and said, I'll just drop a crane here. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. Now that's I guess the, the, my versioning behind what that means. The interesting thing is, is and, I, and I don't know how far your research delved into this side of things but how important is visualization uh, in the process of communicating through the, there's obviously a number of different methodologies that technology provide us today so we first of all have still 3D images um, we have the ability for people to um, be taken through walkthroughs uh, there's the ability for virtual reality and also augmented reality through you know um, Microsoft halos and the like where uh, people can observe the potential components in the existing environment how important is that uh, through the staging and, and actually communicating what's going to be happening
1: yeah I think that's uh, very important especially to non-expert um, when you communicate with client when you communicate with other stakeholders um, the visualization function of BIM yeah really helps um, helps them to understand what's happening there and um, I know 3D model can also be opened in gaming platform, and it's the same model that you can open in the glaming platform and it can be useful for different what if scenario analysis and very useful for safety training as well.
0: No, it's, it's to, to me, I've, I've really wanted for a long time to do a, a bit of research in um, there's some psychology papers, I think that have been written regarding people's ability to interpret uh, 3d imagery. And unfortunately when you're trained as an architect, it, you automatically can start visualising things quite easily but the stakeholders you're communicating to automatically can't just read a set of architectural drawings and there's a percentage of people that can't visually see um, a, 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 a photorealistic perspective even. So that's why all of the different steps are really important. Is that something you did touch? Have you touched on any of that at all within your, within your research or um, am I drawing even longer straw? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, unless you're trained to be an architect, not everyone can actually visualize a 2D drawing very well in their mind. I myself is not. I'm a very typical example. So I understand the pain of my student to understand 2D drawings. Um, And when I learn how to use Revit, I find it difficult as compared to if I learned um, other software. So it's, it's just, I have, well, other architect- architectural, um, professionals or students, um, other peoples may have difficulty actually visualising things from a 2D to a 3D. Um, uh, so, yeah, that BIM really helps.
0: Now, we've just talked about the concept of BIM and I, I, one of the other areas I want to touch on is technology and there's some wearable type technology that is out there at the moment where uh, you can track... People on site, and there's the ability where that if if people go into areas where you've flagged off for a certain purpose for a task that's being undertaken, alarms can go off and the like. Do you want to talk through what that type of technology is and and your findings within that and how it works? So
1: there is smart. Hammer <laughs> yep. that track your location and um, that also gives you the access to the drawings. Well, the, the model, uh, but I'm not sure that's that common actually <laughs> happening on site at the moment or in Australia. So there's definitely research in this space, but uh, and and there's commercialized the products, but they're still quite expensive and it's not widely applied in construction site yet, but I can see, uh, yeah, with Internet of Things and uh, with um, a smart bracelet, yeah, these are happening.
0: So it's not actually, from what you found, there's not really any use of, no one's actually really taken it up yet here in Australia?
1: No, I'm not really aware. (laughs) There's definitely research. There's definitely research. And there may be exemplar project trying to use it, but no, I I don't see it widely happening, yeah.
0: That really disappoints me because I swear through several presentations I would have seen in conferences across the world over the last few years, there has been a substantial amount of talk about, yeah, um, talk about yeah. safety on construction sites and, and having wearable devices to identify where you are so that you don't go to an area where you shouldn't be because of working over above, you know, and, and cranes and lifting – and. And the fact that you have cranes that are actually, you know, they're not static things. They don't just go up and down. They they turn on sweeps and paths and and having exclusion zones for a certain point in time because of a sweep rather than being closed out the whole day. They're the things I, I was hoping. <laughs> I'm a very hopeful person. I was hoping they would have moved further here in Australia by now so there would have been some really uh, exciting knowledge on it. But i guess the most pertinent question and and i guess this is it's a hard one because before i asked you the question before we talked today i envisaged and this is me being a person that hasn't done any research into this i'd envisaged that and hoped that kind of similar to how some things are trending um downwards with with the introduction of technology and the like that the number of accidents and, and deaths that would be occurring due to construction would be reducing, uh, and and I'm almost kind of taken aback by it that it hasn't gotten better, and and it, and it actually kind of upsets me and disappoints me that it hasn't gotten better, and it's probably because the things that I'm hearing about in conferences for a number of years. They haven't been accepted or adopted here because they don't value safety enough. I don't know what it is or the cost is too much or something. But through the numerous papers and and documents you've written on this whole topic, that obviously looks at um, substantial data and and informing where your mindset is today in terms of all of the, the stuff that has occurred in the past. Looking at the past and knowing where we are in the present where do you see the future in safety and construction?
1: Well, um, technology will definitely bring breakthroughs in safety. And um, as in Australia, we, we've gone through a lot and we experienced substantial um, decrease in number of accidents in in the past 20 or 30 years. Um, but you, you can't see further breakthrough just from having more legislation And the future construction safety will really depend on the adoption of uh, technology beam and um, digital processes. As I said, looking at the safety evolution, there's always big improvement in safety when there are fundamental change in the whole practices. It's not just about safety; it's about how the industry works. So, in that bigger picture, safety can be improved. So BIM can facilitate this change, definitely. And other than that, automation of construction processes, fabrication and site manufacturing will reduce the chance of human involvement in high-risk construction activities and remove unsafe conditions in construction sites. So all this could help. And BIM can also be an integral part of this modern method of construction. But so, not the
0: panacea. <laughs> so I had my um, my BIM safety blinkers on today, and I completely forgot about uh, um, design for manufacture and assembly. and it, uh, it's disappointing. That people that that uh, are aware of a, a few little incidents where I'm working with people in that realm would be surprised that I completely forget that component. Which it, it becomes. It's not a technology approach. It's more of a, a just changing the construction methodology. But it demonstrates, I guess that BIM isn't the answer to all of it it's just a contributing factor and more likely the the true answer to safety is is a kind of a stronger approach to understanding how that would how people that go about business and building things overall paired with you know new processes and construction like design for manufacture and assembly so we won't delve into that as a topic otherwise we'll be here for another hour but Um, Carol, thank you very much for your time today. Greatly appreciate, um, having the time to talk to you and and learn about, uh, your research. But, um, I have one question for you and it's the question that I ask all of my guests. What does BIM mean to you?
1: Um, to me, BIM is a process that helps to achieve better project outcomes, such as safety, time, cost and quality.
0: That's a perfect answer from a quantity surveyor that believes in safety. I love it, Carol. But thank you very much for your time once again. And uh, if you'd like more information on Carol and how BIM can potentially assist you to increase workplace and worksite safety, please head over to the podcast section on the Skewed website for further reading. Now, I look forward to sharing our next podcast with you in a fortnight's time. Until then, good luck with your digital transition. digital transition